Previously on Survived by One, DCFS briefly removed Sean from the Yodel home. Survived by One, The Life and Mind of a Family Mass Murderer by Robert E. Hanlon with Thomas V. Odell. Episode 8, Dead Inside. The rust red brick and gray southern Indiana limestone facade of Mount Vernon Township High School suggests that it was in many ways no different from other American high schools in 1985. The school was committed to serving the career needs of both vocational and academic students, striving for a balance between shop and technical classes and accelerated math and science offerings. The school then, as now, carved out its regional identity as the Rams, according to which seasonal sport was being played. Students allied themselves with the cliques that would help them establish and underscore their identities, the Jocks, the Brainiacs, and the Stoners. Senior year in high school gave Tom Odell the opportunity to find himself and lose himself at the same time. When I was 17, the physical abuse pretty much stopped after I pushed my mother up against the hallway wall and told her there would be no more hitting me without me hitting back. She got a little scared and ran to my father, but he never said anything to me about it. But they were having their own problems as far as their marriage was going. My father worked from 4pm to midnight, and while he was at work, my mother would be hanging out with her friends at bars or at the bowling alley. I didn't complain because if she was gone, I wouldn't have to deal with her. And of course, if she was gone, then I could leave my siblings at home by themselves. Yvonne Sexton, Carolyn's best friend, testified for the prosecution during the sentencing phase of Tom's trial. Sexton was familiar with the activities of the children and some of the conflicts within the family. She testified that Tom had been accused of stealing a coin collection of his father's and about 15 silver dollars that belonged to his mother. She reported that he kicked a hole in the kitchen wall during an angry telephone conversation and he chased his brother Sean around the house with a knife. No one was ultimately hurt. Sexton testified that she had seen bruises on Carolyn's back as a result of being pushed against a wall by Tom during an argument. She also reported an incident at the Logan Street Church in which Tom was accused of ordering Sean and Scott to steal purses from cars in the church parking lot. When asked about the relationship between Tom and his mother, Sexton stated that Carolyn was frightened of Tom. She added that the other children were also afraid of him because he had hit them in the past. During cross-examination, Sexton agreed that Carolyn had had difficulty dealing with her children in the past in general, and she frequently placed responsibility for the care and safety of her three younger children into Tom's hands, requiring that he babysit the other children on an almost daily basis, while she pursued her social obligations and recreational activities, such as bowling. During redirect by the prosecution, Sexton testified that she was aware that Sean had been involved in antisocial activities as well, but she was unaware of such activities with regard to Robin or Scott. Years later, Sexton recalled an event involving Sean and Scott that, in part, precipitated the establishment of the final deadline by which Tom would have to leave the Odell home. I worked with the church, Logan Street Baptist Church at the time. It was only about a half block from my house, and on Wednesday nights, I would be there most of the evening because after school we had choir practice, and I played the piano for the choir. My kids and I would usually go there and eat, and later on we had a prayer service. Then I had my choir practice. Well, 
In between the choir practice, I ran home for something. When I came back to the church, I saw Sean and Scotty running, hiding behind a church bus. I told them, come out from there. I saw you. What are you doing back there? Well, they came out and they were scared out of their minds. They said, we're going to get in trouble. I said, why? What are you doing? Who are you going to get in trouble with? They said, Tommy. And I said, why? And they said, because we don't have any money or credit cards to take home with us. And I said, what do you mean? They said, we get in to unlock cars and go through purses left in the cars, and they didn't have anything to take home. They were afraid to go home. I said, you're coming home with me. And I took them to my house. After taking the boys to her house, Sexton called the Odal house to try to get a hold of Carolyn. They had more than one phone, so Robin, I think, answered the phone. But while I was talking to her, Tommy got on too. I was trying to find Carolyn. They said that she had gone grocery shopping. Tommy said, I can take a message. And I said, no, I'll just call her later because I didn't want to say anything. So I hung up the phone and then I called Bob at work and told him what was going on with the kids. He said he was going to be talking to Tom. At one point, each of my parents would tell me about the other. My mother would complain about my father to me, and my father would complain about my mother to me. That is, until one night I came home pretty drunk, and they said I cussed both of them out. Then I got into a slapping bout with my mother until my father had to break it up. Then he and I got into it. I don't recall this, but I was told about it the next morning, and it was a bit sore from some kind of fight. I never could understand the anger my mother had for me, or the anger I had for my mother, because I would see other parents act differently towards their children, and I always longed for that type of interaction with my mother. Whenever I hugged my mother for any reason, she never hugged me back. She always became rigid and would not hug me back. I could never get past that in my head. That and her always telling me what a disappointment I was, and how she wished I had never been born, and that she hoped I would die during the night so she wouldn't have to put up with me any longer. Even my father would talk about running away on his motorcycle, dumping it in a lake along with all of his identification, and starting a new life. I never understood these things coming from my parents who were supposed to love me, for just me. But I never got it. Or if I did, I never felt it. Children and Family Services came and took my brother Sean and placed him in foster care because they caught my mother in the act of chaining my brother to the bed, as she had done for years. There had been counselors to the house working with my parents, mostly my mother, but she was very angry and unhelpful and did not go along with the program. I knew they came to the house and I would stay away so I wouldn't have to talk to them and feel like I was on trial. I knew if I'd said something against my mother, once they left, it would be hell on earth in that house. I think I got caught there maybe once when they came. Otherwise, I ran and hid until they were gone. I think that's what kicked the separation between my parents. That coupled with her running out to bars while he was working. I recall one time I followed her to a lounge where she and her friend Yvonne were at. My mother was dancing with this guy who used to be friends with my parents. Something had happened along the way, and they were friends no longer. Anyway, she was dancing with him in a seductive way, so I called my dad and told him. He came out there and saw for himself what was going on. He went in there and almost got into a fight with this guy, but my mom stopped it and told him she would not be home if he hit this guy. 
My dad told her to go home, but she got smart with him. So my dad left and went back to work. It was different after that, but I always liked the fact she finally got some of what she had been handing out to me all those years. She was put on the spot in front of her friends and got caught doing something she knew better than to do. They eventually split up after that incident, a few months later. I was a senior in high school at the time. I was trying to plan for a future, but between breaking into houses and doing drugs, I never really got my mind on it. I was just going from day to day, not really planning on anything past that. I was enrolled in a building trades class where the class goes out and actually builds a house. I was really interested in it, but I was also getting high at the house and goofing off. I was also skipping school more and stealing cars for joyrides. My parents would not let me drive yet by myself because I was still being punished for getting caught breaking into homes the first time. So I walked everywhere or rode my bike. If I was on one side of town and wanted to get to the other side and didn't feel like walking, especially in the cold, I would try to find a car with keys in it. Or if I had some keys from one of the car dealer lots where I had stolen earlier, I would take one of those cars to get me to the other side of town and then leave it. I just didn't care about what happened to me. It was just what I could get at the moment to keep me satisfied for a little while. I was always looking to get high or any chance to do something crazy. At about that time, I started openly smoking cigarettes at home. I was listening to metal music at the time, likely Motley Crue, Judas Priest, Ozzy, Black Sabbath, and Led Zeppelin. I had long hair, and I was going to concerts like Iron Maiden, Twisted Sister, and ACDC. I also liked the classics, like the Rolling Stones, The Who, Eric Clapton, Cream, and other groups from the 70s and the 60s. I liked the blues and basically the guitar-driven music, be it hard-driving riffs or slow riffs, just the guitar in general. The lyrics were not what attracted me to the music I listened to. It was the music, because some of the lyrics were pretty far out there for me, like not making sense or something, altogether way out of reality. During this time I was drinking a little bit more, and I was still smoking reefer, doing cocaine, and other drugs like heroin and LSD on a regular basis. I was also doing PCP whenever I could get my hands on it. My mother took Valium, so I was also taking it whenever I could get away with it. I did not like my life. I did not like the people in my life, so I escaped every chance I could. I thought I had some good friends during that time, but they were just people that I got high with. Every time we got together, it was to get high or find a way to get high. As I mentioned before, I was seeing a girl at that time. There was no real connection there for me, but I know she was really into me by the way she would hang all over me. It was cool, but to be honest, I didn't like somebody hanging all over me all the time, so we never really connected. Then I was off to the next girl. But I have to admit, when I was with a girl, my criminal activity slowed down because of the time I would spend with the girl. It wasn't because I wanted to do good or anything like that, it was because I didn't have the time. My dad never questioned me about that night the girl got caught outside my window, and things just went on as usual. I was back into the criminal life of breaking in and getting high. I really liked cocaine and reefer together, and that is where a lot of my money went because I didn't have much else. I also had a large record collection, as I would go to yard sales and pick up old albums that were in good shape. I was finally able to start driving by myself during the springtime of my senior year. At that time I was really cool with a girl named Sandy. We dated for about a week, but we were just better off friends. And we were the best of friends. 
I think my involvement with her was my first real relationship, because we didn't get high every time we got together. I would go to her house just to hang out, or I would take her out to eat. Neither of us had dates for the weekend. We would go out together, but only as friends. We never had sex. It was a cool relationship. I really think that that was when I first realized about love, because I can really say that I loved her, and I knew she felt the same way. I would have my dad's car every Sunday afternoon until Sunday night. I had to put gas in it, but that was nothing. That made me feel a little older and better among my peers because they were all driving, or they had their own cars, and I felt somehow included in my teen peer group. It was nice to see people I knew out driving when I wasn't with one of my parents. I started getting into a few more fights than I usually did, but they were nothing. I remember one fight I got into at the mall because I said something about another guy's girlfriend. I ended up fighting him at the mall by the bathroom. Some people called the police, but they just took our names down and that was it, besides being banned from the mall. I got into another fight at the park because this guy slapped Sandy. I chased him all over town before I caught up with him at the park. That one was not a pretty sight. I was winning the one-on-one -on -one fight until his friends jumped in on me. Before the crowd could break it up, they got me pretty good. So of course, I had to go find them one by one and even things up a bit. I remember coming home after getting beat up pretty bad. My mom stopped me at the back door when she saw all the blood and told me I must have finally gotten what I deserved. I just laughed and went in and cleaned myself up. I went through the rest of my senior year just goofing off, really. My friend Ray lived across from the high school at the time, so I would end up there a lot of the time after skipping school. I felt dead inside most of the time back then. It was like there was nothing inside me, because everything I cared about doing was destroyed by my mother, and anyone who ever showed an interest in me was run off by my mother. So there's nothing and no one I truly connected with. I think the only reason Sandy and I got along so well was that she never came in direct contact with my mother. I had to keep her away from my mother. When she came to my house, my parents would be gone, and the rest of the time I would go to her house. I got along well with her parents, and I got along well with Ray's parents. I did not graduate high school. I was one credit shy of graduating, a half credit for American history, and another half credit for English. I was never good in English, and history bored me because I believed they were teaching me lies. So I was never interested. I started to go to summer school to make up the credits to get my diploma, but I ended up getting a job at Waltz's Pizza. So I quit school in the summer and started working part-time at Waltz's Pizza. I started dating a very special girl at that time. I had always liked her, but she was always with this one guy, so I never pushed it. One day we finally got together and it was good. It felt good to be with her and have her with me. She made me want to do good and be someone good. I had stopped seeing Linda. I wasn't doing so many drugs. I had stopped breaking into houses. I wanted everything to be right. I was working a real job and spending every available moment I could with her. I was around my parents very little. I was eventually laid off at Waltz's Pizza because it closed down. So my dad got me a job with the lumber company loading trucks for delivery, working with customers, and picking up around the yard. I was able to get my own car and really felt good. I was doing less drugs and very little drinking. I was only smoking reefer and that was basically on the weekends, with very little through the week. 
I wasn't doing cocaine or anything else. I didn't even mind her coming around my parents because I had told her they were nuts. I even got along with her parents and she got along with mine, unbelievably. Her parents even took me on vacation with them when they went to Kentucky Lake for a week. It was good and she and I were going smoothly.